This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Nate Norris. Nate is the chef de cuisine at Zuni Cafe. Zuni is a San Francisco institution, and Nate is guiding the restaurant from challenge to challenge throughout this pandemic. It takes heart, skill, and strategy to do the work Zuni is doing, and Nate is here to tell the story. Plus, he's got some great news about that famous Zuni chicken. We're back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Nate. Six AM where you are. You are wearing a hoodie sweatshirt that says "Vigilant as always," which is a which is a good place to start. How are you, Nate? I'm doing well this morning, Howie. Thanks. How are you? I am good. Um, what What does the daily vigilance uh, in- include? What do you got on tap for for this morning and, and this afternoon? Uh, this morning will be a pretty routine, or the the new routine, and head into the restaurant and. Uh, get the day rolling for the food programs that we're cooking for right now with uh, world central kitchen. And, uh, that's a lot of kind of internal administrating and, uh, logistics management and delivering of those, those meals. Uh, I've got a team of, uh, chefs and cooks working on it. Uh, will be today's kind of a light day where I think we do about 150 lunches today, which is, which is on the lighter side of things. But, uh, we're looking to ramp that up more. You guys uh, changed over to uh, food service delivery mode, you know, a, a while ago, working with um, the SF New Deal and now with, with World Central Kitchen. Um, can you tell me about the, the new workflow and the, the way you're running your kitchen, who you've been able to bring back to work? I mean, Zuni, Zuni Cafe is one of the most energetic uh, fun and important festive restaurants um, in in America. So this is a huge sea change for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it it is a huge sea change. Zuni is not uh, in many respects Zuni Cafe at all right now, um, but a lot of the the paradigms that we work under I try and translate those over to what we're doing now. But that that community hub. Uh, that that's partic- very particular space. Uh, we're definitely not able to be that right now. Um, the SF New Deal program uh, was launched by Lenora Strada and Jacob Bindeman from a, with a generous donation from a gentleman named Emmett Shear. He's the CEO of Twitch, which is like an online uh, platform for folks to like broadcast themselves and do different things. Uh, and uh, he, he put a million dollars forward early on to Lenore and said, hey, I know that you, you guys don't have a lot of work right now. Uh, all her accounts uh, kind of fell through when, when the uh, offices closed down. And uh, Lenore uh, partnered up with a guy named Jacob Binman from who's a volunteer with Quesa, which is one of the uh, farmer's market organizations here in San Francisco. And they just kind of built something up from the, like a startup, I guess, for lack of a better term, for getting food to people in need and getting restaurants and other food service uh, companies working some, some level of work. So she took that seed money and then I'm not really sure all the inner workings of how they made the connections, but they built something up super quick after this by 
we we put our first meals out with SF New Deal uh, the first week of April, but they were going the the last week of March. They were they I think they made you know maybe some five thousand meals that first week, and then we're up to twenty thousand a week pretty quick from there. Yeah, I know that I know they've raised um, about a million dollars independently outside of that initial donation now, and have distributed more than a hundred thousand meals, and have uh, forty three restaurants around San Francisco involved. So quite a thing. Yeah, yeah, and they're still going strong on that fundraising. Uh, and, you know, it looks like we're going to be in this position for, for at least the next month. So um, they're going to need more money to keep going with that. So uh, I, I hope people still keep feeling generous as this drags out because we're going to need that. Tell me what the Zuni kitchen feels like to you now. I mean, I, I was in San Francisco not that long ago. We, we had a dinner together. It was a great night in, in the restaurant. Zuni felt like, you know, peak Zuni. You could feel the joy vibrating off of people. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it feels like a big empty building. You know, there's, there's uh, most days six or seven of us in the, in the building. Uh, generally speaking, Zuni's got a staff of about just under a hundred people. So, you know, having, having just, you know, walk in the morning with, with five guys and we get to work on making the food for the day. Uh, it, you know, it just, uh, starts off, I guess, quiet, like a lot of restaurants do first thing in the morning. Um, but then it just kind of, you know, it stays quiet. Um, most of the space it, it's hard, it's hard to characterize it. I guess I don't really spend my my head in the in the space so much it's more i'm more personally focused on the on the work and the you know making sure things run smoothly the operations of it and 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 making sure we're we're meeting what we need to meet with our with the customers that we have now you guys did take away chicken for a minute yeah so we opened uh back up uh that that last week of march uh originally when we closed uh i've I felt pretty confident in consulting with, with Gilbert, the owner and the other man, rest of the management team at the restaurant that we were, we were really confident that we didn't want to stay open. This was before the shelter in place order had come through and just that it wasn't, it wasn't the responsible decision to make. And so we were prepared to close that, that last Sunday and then the shelter in place order came in uh, and felt really confident in that decision. And then as that week, that week went on and I guess into the second week of the shelter in place, you know, just continue to listen to the governor. It became clear how long this was going to last. And it felt, I felt a little more like, okay, well, I got to get some of these people. I got to create some work for people. I've got to find a way because I knew some of our staff were in a really going to be in a really challenging position uh, with like lack of access to unemployment. Uh, And so we opened up uh, to do it very limited takeout model and we're doing that. And I, I got a lot of um, good feedback from what we were doing from, from the team that was putting out from the customers that were receiving it. But uh, I think a, as we move through it, we, I, I started to feel that we needed to find a way to meet the needs of our staff to have income and be able to do something that felt a little more essential. I had some conversations with people, uh, very close to me who, who really uh, helped influence that decision that, that putting people at risk really wasn't worth it uh, for what we were doing. And we needed to find a way to, to do that more, to do it more safely. And, um, and for maybe something that felt a little more essential than 
and fancy takeout food, which which is great. And I'm looking forward to getting back at that um, as we can do it more safely. It's a it's a big decision, though. You know. Yeah, it's a very big decision, and uh, I don't uh, know that there's necessarily the right or the wrong answer. But it felt like it. I, it was the right decision for us. Um, I know there's folks that haven't stopped uh, from the beginning of this, and and uh, I don't begrudge them their decisions at all. I think I think there, there's a lot of great things going on out there uh, in terms of uh, takeout food and uh, people making food for the public like that. When you decided that you needed to put some people back to work, I know you were focused especially on on the undocumented workers who can't collect, uh, you know, on un- unemployment and have a much harder time getting aid. Yeah, um, we don't ask anybody about their documentation status at, at work. People people bring in uh, documents and we, we put them in into the system like every other business does. Um, but I've asked people if they're able to collect unemployment and uh, when they've either told me they've been denied or they, they haven't applied and they have no income, uh, then that's where we put our focus. And uh, it's, a, it's a huge strike, I think, against our society that we, we have the situation at all. Um, but it, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody, uh, uh, that pays attention to what's going on. Uh, it's clear, clear, clearly, uh, not in the interest of our, our current administration to, to do this any differently. So, uh, I'm hoping that the, the governor here in California can make some different decisions on it moving forward uh, and create some more equity in that system. He's made some, some movement in that direction to pr- provide some relief funds for undocumented uh, workers in California, but, but the, they're just kind of scratching the surface right now. There's not, there's not any equity in the system. Right. And there are programs like one, one fair wage does a great job distributing money to uh, work, you know, immigrant and all, all kinds of workers, undocumented, documented, anybody who needs the money, but it's, it's true. The government does fail completely in this regard. It's nice yeah. for me to see restaurants step up and take care of their own. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to to me, we're we're not at the right place. And, and regardless, of all the good work that's going on, whether it's on the government side or whether it's on the side of other organizations or restaurants, you know, raising to support money to support these people, it's you know they should be collecting the unemployment check. They, their taxes have paid into the system. Their employers have paid into the benefits, and uh, it's, it's just a it's just a means of division. In in terms of the idea of of cooking for the public and cooking for the hungry public at, at large, why is that important to you? Is is that is is this something about the way you were raised? Is it something about the way you've done things in in the past? Um, you know, when you work in a, a restaurant like Zuni, you're in service. You're serving a certain public, um, but it's it's not civil service like this is really. Yeah, um, why is it important to me? I think uh, yeah, definitely start starts at home, starts with family. Both of my parents uh, have have lived their lives in social service. Um, what do they do? Uh, my, my dad's a psychologist and my mom has uh, been a social worker and a director of social services. They both work for a, a nonprofit health clinic in, in Hunting Park in Philly, or actually, sorry, in Kensington in Philadelphia. They live in Hunting Park. Um, and, you know, they're, they're always been very connected to the community through through their faith based organizations and through the work that they do and uh, and I you know that's definitely been a big part of my life um, and influenced uh, the decisions that I've made as an adult and people that I surround myself and I think where where the priorities have to be um, uh, I think uh, there's a lot of talk of you know personal responsibility 
in our society. And I think uh, uh, some people have more responsibility than others. And so it's really important to, to lead with that. And, uh, and so we're in that position right now where, you know, I'm not a, I'm not the chef of a restaurant. I'm just somebody trying to get people, uh, help try and meet people's needs. And that's what we all need to be doing. It's interesting. I mean, the thing you have is you have access to food. It's so critical. I, I have access to food. I have access to resources to procure that food. I have relationships with the people that grow the food. Um, and so I, I think that a lot of that's where it's, it's critical that, that chefs are stepping up and they are, uh, you know, they continue to every day. They, uh, they inspire me. How are your growers doing? Depends on who, what grower you're talking to. Uh, some folks are, are bouncing along and, and rolling with the punches and, uh, you know, finding ways to realign their supply and demand. And uh, everybody's having challenges. Um, there's challenges uh, with labor. Um, so a lot of folks can't uh, get their seasonal labor in, immigrant seasonal labor that, that comes here on visas. A lot of that uh, is a little jammed up. Uh, I'm not totally keyed into all the policy decisions that have been made. I think some visas are still allowed to be processed, um, but it's definitely uh, a little more jammed up than it typically is. So I know some of the, the larger farms that we work with are really concerned about their what they're planting now to harvest in the summer when they have a very large seasonal workforce. Uh, workforce to do that harvesting. It's it's a very skilled workforce. It's uh, it would be wonderful to think that we could take a bunch of you know out of work line cooks and Uber drivers and send them out to the valley and harvest tomatoes. But that's not unskilled work. That is very uh, skilled and practiced work. And the it's, workforce and, that, and incredibly physical, in, incredibly demanding. Yeah, and it's not just physically demanding. It's physically skilled. Just as just as the line cook work we do. In, in restaurants as it doesn't get uh treated like that um by any means but but that's what it is and and you know where so there, there's needs there uh for the farmers uh in terms of labor uh some farmers you know on the other end of the spectrum there's uh, i got a message from a farmer yesterday that i reached out to who uh is really struggling uh with some things right now and doesn't have any labor doesn't have any revenue of course and he's got a lot of a lot of debts out there you know a lot of restaurants shut up shut up shop and uh you know don't have the ability to pay these these older debts um from you know the debts from february the invoices from february the invoices from early march and for these small businesses i mean that can be super challenging the meaning meaning the farms and the other artisans that we we get our food from so you know, some folks are really struggling to find a way to survive this, just like in this moment, day to day on the farm level, you know. So I know you, you get into the kitchen every morning between six and seven around, um, and then you hit the road and you do a lot of the deliveries yourself. You've been going up to the Hunter's Point neighborhood in, in, in San Francisco with lunches, with meals. Tell me about that experience, who you've met, what kind of trust you're trying to build, uh, and what you're learning. Yeah, when, when Lenore and uh, SF New Deal reached out, it was actually Kim Alter of Nightbird, Chef from Nightbird Restaurant, who reached out to me originally, uh, who, who I, I know personally, her restaurant's right around the corner from Zuni as well. And uh, she said, you know. It's really hey, a good one. Yeah, it is a really, really good, good one. Really good one. Looking forward to her being open again. Um, and uh, 
Kim reached out and, you know, was just like, hey, if I guarantee you X, Y, and Z, can you commit to doing this? Uh, and it was a it was a big ask without a lot of detail, and but it just felt pretty clear to me that it was where we needed to put our energy uh, at that time. And so we, we agreed. And uh, as the details came through, it became clear that what they needed from us was to make meals for residents in public housing in the city. And we were going to get assignments and uh, uh, for different sites to, to make the food for. I knew going in, I, it was going to be, uh, I don't know, I wanted to, I wanted the program that whatever we we're going to do to represent Zuni really well, not in terms of, you know, earning any merit badges for it, but that the work we do being in parallel to the work we do when we're open, the, what, which is given feeding people food that they want to eat and making sure that they enjoy it. And that at the point that it's really a point of joy in their life, uh, I felt in, in some ways even more critical right now that that people are struggling so much with things that we needed we needed a way to lift people up, even if it's a small thing, uh, such as just a meal. But um, I knew also going into the communities that we were going to be asked to go into that there, there's not a lot of trust um, because there's been a lot of broken trust uh, over the years uh, through, through in, impoverished communities in San Francisco and all over the country. But certainly the Bayview Hunters Point neighborhood in San Francisco has been a, has been a place of over promise and under delivering at best um, and, and much more neglectful behavior um, in the worst of conditions. And so I just really wanted to go in and uh, just create some personal connections with the people that were managing the programs on site so that um, I could try, try and earn their trust uh, going in and that, um, that, you know, they could trust that I was going to listen to them and make food and, delivery, the whole process, something that worked for them, that, that worked for them and worked for the resident that they were distributing the food to on site. Um, and so made some uh, great connections at the sites where we're in Hunters Point at Westbrook Apartments, which is um, up on the hill in Hunters Point. And it's, uh, you might as well be in Vallejo for how far it is away or feels from San Francisco. It's only a couple miles from Zuni, um, but Hunter's Point is extremely geographically isolated. Uh, people out there struggle with a lot of issues, but that isolation, I think, is one thing that uh, seems to underlie a lot of it. It's isolation from some food sources. It's isolation from work. Um, it's a isolation from a lot of a lot of resources, and uh, that you know that's not a problem that uh, we're in a position to to have have a whole lot of, of influence on right now, but it's definitely something that uh, I want to think on long-term and find ways that we stay connected uh, and help and help meet some of those needs going forward after the crisis, during the crisis, because the problems that are being faced now were problems before and they're going to be problems in the future. But they're linked differently. I mean, now it's not just, you know, you know, there's a problem at table 36. They don't think there's enough dressing on, on their salad. You know that, uh, you know, Malik, who's been your contact at, at Hunter's Point, needs food. It's it's not like you're going to stop thinking about him once this is over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mal Malik gets food to people that, that are in need out there. He, he works for Housing Development Corporation in San Francisco. And uh, yeah, it 
they're the connections are are very different now that the there's been the the personal connections made i, I mean i was i was uh, aware of these needs but it's really different when you're actually out there trying to provide for them um, totally different totally different and it i think one one thing that I think I knew going in, but has become more clear doing this is, is it's just so important to lead with what to with what the needs are as opposed to what what I have to give or what Zuni has to give, what our team has to give. It's and that that requires a lot of listening and it requires that that trust that you have to to start trying to build up on day one. Um, can can you give me an example of how you have adjusted to those needs and things you've you've brought you know to hunter's point through listening to them uh yeah i i i first and foremost i like to ask about the food quality every day and how the food was received and people enjoy it what were the particular things they didn't like and um you know people were were delivering food to free to people they generally don't get asked whether they they like it or not it's kind of uh you know you're lucky you get it sort of attitude um and and i i really don't don't think uh we weren't in a position where we we had to approach it like that at all and um i've, I've got a team of really talented cooks and chefs at the restaurant who we bring the feedback back oh well they didn't like it this way they didn't like it that like that's uh, i think uh the first week we made meatballs with polenta uh polenta doesn't age very well in a to-go box over a couple hours and uh, folks were also a little unfamiliar with it in the community that we were serving, and they didn't really like it. So it's like, well, how about we do spaghetti? Does spaghetti sound better? And so now it's spaghetti and meatballs, and it's much more familiar, and it, it carries better. I mean, that's a, just a really simple example of how you handle it with the food. A lot of it's been logistics because they're, these organizations are running with really tight staffs as well. Um, right now they're tight on staff in general, but uh, during the COVID uh, pandemic here, they're, they're even tighter. And so the logistics are really important that they have the people that are working are not just, you know, overly stretched with, with their time. Um, so that's about, you know, when do you want the food? Okay. You want it, you want it this time. How do you want it? Get it to them. Sometimes, you know, if they don't have all the resources they need, it, it means, you know, going the, going another step further and helping them get it distributed within the, within the site. Tell me about the the layer um, of expertise that World Central Kitchen now adds to your to your work and to your network. Yeah, so World Central Kitchen took over administration of this program last week, and uh, SF New Deal built up such a, a great program, um, and and to be able to hand off what they've created to to World Central Kitchen, who's so dialed in with this type of work. Um, when when I first met with uh, the team from World Central Kitchen, it was really clear that uh, their mission and our mission were very much in line, and that it was that the whole process is about the recipient and not the and not the giver. And so, just really continuing, uh, I felt like I they really have um, have our back on on that style of approach. Where when I um, at the site and I you know at this point have have gained enough trust and have a good relationship with the, with the site management that when I say like, tell me, you know, what's going on, where are you having difficulties with this, not just with our, what we're providing, but other layers of this program and bring that back to world central kitchen that, that they take that feedback and they apply it immediately. The, the chain of command has really been tightened up um, and shortened. So there's not as many layers of bureaucracy. Um, 
working with with the city. I, I know that was a, a really a challenging part um, early on. It's not that the city isn't trying to do the the work that needs to get done, but there's just so many layers of government bureaucracy to to work through. Um, World Central Kitchen uh, really has it in mind to to keep those things short so that 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 feedback gets to where it needs to go quickly and and as directly as possible. It sounds like a great relationship. Um, you know, you're you're exactly who I envision should be doing this work. You're super dedicated. You seem super stable to me. How are you feeling? Uh, you have t- I, do you have time for feelings? Yeah. No. No. That that's a that's a good question. Um, yeah, I I personally uh, feel good when I'm busy, um, and that's that's true now, and that's that's always true. Um, and I, if busy is maybe the wrong word, I feel I feel good when I'm being productive and effective, um, and and I, I I feel very fortunate to have that right now. A lot of people don't um, have that feeling of uh, being able to be functional and helpful and effective. Uh, I try and. Uh, you know, surround myself with a good team uh, at work. And, and I don't know, I feel, I feel really fortunate to be able to provide the work, um, you know, that, that we've been able to get involved with these programs and provide the work. Cause you know, I've got, like I said, six people working at the restaurant and they're earning full-time wages right now, which is, which is great for them. But there's maybe another 20 people on staff that are in a similar financial position and don't have that work. And it, I, I'm seeing both sides of that. And so, uh, part of what we're doing now is getting getting the needs of the people that aren't working handled as best as possible bringing them you know care packages food and other groceries that they need and and trying to take care of their financial needs but those things are just piling up um i don't know i i, I guess your question is about how i'm feeling uh and uh i, I feel like it uh, i'm great and all this it it doesn't really matter um because because my my needs are cared for um I'm I'm gonna get through this, um, but but we need to we need to get everybody through it. And there, there's people that are just are you know when this is when this COVID shelter in place is over and their rent comes due. I mean that that's crazy. There's gonna be all this unpaid debt that's like people can get evicted on it. This is like we're already dealing with a homelessness crisis. Like there's gonna be so many more people that are gonna experience homelessness as a result of this, and uh, we need to. We didn't really think about how, how we're handling that. And so just trying to triage where the needs are right now. And, and, and I don't know, my, my personal well-being uh, is, is just fine. And it seems like it's really low on the triage scale. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the future of, of Zuni itself and, and what it may look like as society begins to reopen. I'm sure you guys have have discussed that internally with your team and with, with Gilbert. I know you've called it a long slog toward stability. I know you guys know it's not like, oh, we're suddenly open, um, everything's okay again. But what is what is your reopening plan look like right now? Uh, so we were, we're going to do this incrementally. Um, right now what is it it is april 30th i believe mm-hmm. and may 1st so, may 1st oh yeah that's right may day happy may day workers wednesday of next week which i, I don't recall the date of that uh it's but what may 6th and may it's 6th, my, okay. my birthday and it's the, oh, day, well, it's the day this episode's gonna run all right so we're gonna run a happy birthday party for howie on may 6th <laughs> uh and we're gonna open up uh, the plan right now is to open zuni back up on may 6th for oh for a takeout model. Um, 
we feeling much more confident the city has uh, broadened testing availability. Everybody that's working in the restaurant right now has had a COVID test in the last week. Uh, everybody's uh, thankfully negative and uh, we're able to bring on more folks and have them get testing as well. So we can operate with a lot more certainty and feel uh, comfortable trying to generate revenue again. Um, so we're gonna work with a really limited takeout menu. We're, uh, we're signing up with TAC um, to, to, to uh, man manage the, the business flow there. Um, we're gonna kind of throw stuff at the wall and see what, see what sticks. We know what we do well. Um, and we're going to try and translate that into whatever models are going to be most effective right now. Obviously, takeout's really the only option at the moment. Um, but as, as restrictions loosen, uh, we'll continue to look at that critically and find ways to uh, create an experience that I, that I think our customers want um, and we're able to provide well. Um, you know, Zuni's not going to be back operating like, like uh, uh, in a typical fashion for quite some time. So uh, I, I think we need to find a way to, way to reach our customers uh, and, and provide, and provide the, the kind of the refuge, that place of celebration, uh, provide the hospitality, the connection to the ingredients, uh, all those things. Uh, we need to find a way to do that through takeout, whether it's through like a counter order model um, in the future, if, if table service feels too, uh, like too close of a connection with, in between people. Um, but yeah, opening Zuni back up and getting us running again, it's gonna, gonna look like different versions of it, but the same paradigm supply. We're, we're, we're good at what we do and, and we're, gonna, we're gonna find a way to continue to be, to be good at it. And we've got a great team that, that's super committed to that and we're really looking forward to bringing them back on so that we can uh, put our heads together and, and get to work. Will there be chicken on May sixth? There will. There will definitely be chicken on May sixth. Yes, there'll be. There'll be chicken and Caesar salads, and and we'll 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 build around that as we always do. Nate, our show is called Takeaway Only. What's your big takeaway from working and living through this moment? Mm, there, there's there's a lot to take away, but if I uh, had to distill it down to one thing that that's I've been really impacted by or. Uh, I would say it's it's the people in this industry that are that are are stepping up. We all work in our little silos uh, most of the time. Uh, you know, when running our restaurants, we don't have a whole lot of interaction with one another. You know, maybe it's you know crossing paths at a farmer's market, but but right now there seems to be a little more. Uh, there's actually quite a bit more uh, community and collaborating uh, going on, and I, I'm just really uh, glad to see how our industry really steps up. It's been amazing for me to watch too. Um, Nate, good luck today with, with your cooking. I know you have a, a kitchen to open. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too, Howie. Uh, great work with the podcast. It's, it's been a real inspiration. Oh, thanks, Nate. That was Nate Norris. You can follow Zuni Cafe on Instagram at Zuni Cafe. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Raynal Felipe Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.